I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I should go. And so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are on the... We're trying hard to make it through, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Serious drama in the two televised games yesterday. That's we're going to start off with football. Uh, Brian Carroll's going to talk to us about the hurling um, in part two. So, Ratot, they're a man down. They're three points down. They're into injury time. Um, they just conceded an injury time penalty, and the game is over. Conan, right? No. Up steps Joey Wallace with a, a questionable square ball goal. I don't want to put the dampener on it here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I saw you suggesting that. I thought um, once the ball's kicked, the boys are outside, and that, that's the rule. Like they're running, they're running the outside of the square. Like it didn't seem that close of a square ball to me. Like they ran around the square. The ball's kicked. No, 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 no. But Joey was planted in the square. Oh, yeah. But, like, he's outside the square as the ball. Like, the, the, the boys are palming the ball on from inside the square. So as long as they're inside the square playing the ball, then they're, they're all right. Yeah, but the square ball isn't just from the kicked pass. The square ball is the pass to Joey because it was deflected to Joey who was sitting yeah. in the square. So the question, the question here is, is, I think it was the full back, uh, McGill, who got a fist to it. The question is whether if he was inside the square then it's not a square ball. If he flicked it on from outside the square, Joey was planted in the square, right? Oh. So it was, it was very close to the line, I'm saying. You would be a brave man to, to rule it out, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. We are putting a bit of a dump there on it. But um, no, like I, I think they're in the square once they're having it. So once they're in the square playing the ball, yeah. then they're okay. And Joey yeah. can be in the square as well. Yeah, it's clo- it, was clo- it was close enough to the line anyways, like I said. And then you get a knee slide celebration, uh, Connor, to an empty terrace, which is fantastic from Joey. Joey's <laughs> coming up soon. Like I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not slagging him behind his back. I'll say this to his face. The only, the only thing about that was I thought it was brilliant, but like, uh, but uh, Gail Conkill still had a bit of time. Their their cornerback then kicked a free, I think, directly to a Redout man. And I think a Redout. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it, it could have Joey could possibly have ended up with egg in his face if uh, Gail Conkill went down and got an equalizer, or even a winner. But uh, thank God for Joey, and I'm delighted because like you don't often see knee celebrations, knee slide celebrations in the GA, and I don't want to do anything to discourage it. So no, definitely doing that the better. And to be fair, Joey was man of the match in last year's final as well. Like, I mean, that was Ratot's um, first final. I'm pretty sure they've done back. They've done back to back now, and him as a young fella, man of the match in both finals. So it's incredible. One thing it kind of points out to you here, Conan, is like, I mean, if you have a free deep into injury time and you're a goal down and the referee says you've won more play, don't ever go for a goal in that scenario. Like we know this. This is just common sense. At a, at a stage when will you ever get a goal you know the ones where you have a close in free and you lob it into the goal in desperation very rarely you'll get a goal off that whereas if you knock it over the bar put two in it from open play you have a much look you still have a very small chance for a total like I mean to pull it out of the bag but you have a much better chance knock over that free and then hope you know lob in a high ball from play is easier and you know these kind of 
freeze that you kind of love into the square. When do you ever see anything come off them? Yeah, tap it over, win the kickout, and then you have an easier scenario then. Like, you can either go for a goal again, or you can tap it over. Like, go for a goal from a better scenario. I remember Jeffrey McGonigal scoring a goal like that, but that was in 1999 against Antrim. The fact that I can remember that... It's <laughs> <laughs> how unusual it is, yeah. Like, I mean, the sending off, Emmett Boyle getting the red card, I don't think there's any question about this, Connor. Like, I mean, and this just added to it, because the penalty came for Kells not long after that, and it was a definite sending off. Whether he meant to do it or not... Um, um, he caught him straight in the jaw. He knocked him out, actually. If you saw how the 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 Kells player hit the ground, he was completely knocked out. I was really worried for Conal Courtney. Conal Courtney, I think they got the ne- knock to Colin Kill number 12 afterwards because you could see, uh, like the slow motion replay, you could see his face kind of just contort a little when he got the, when he got the shoulder in the jaw. And then after that, he was clearly, he got up to his feet, but he clearly wasn't steady on his feet. And he had to be helped off after. Like, you know, it was easy for maybe people watching on TV to look back over replays and say it was definitely a red. But as soon as I saw it in real time, I said that that's 100% a red. Like sometimes in these cases, when somebody is coming across a guy, the guy that gets hit might end up dipping their head into a tackle or something like that. But that wasn't yeah. the case here. It was just a high, it was a high. Like, listen, I, I'm sure I'm sure that Emmett Boyle did, didn't mean it, but just the collision was terrible. And as soon as I saw it... Yeah, but you have to you have to say Emmett, Emmett Boyle, he, he he didn't say sorry to the referee. He didn't look in any way kind of um, regretting thing. He just took his what? medicine and walked off. And usually you kind of plead your case. I didn't mean it, ref. He just always like, all right, well, look, I, I meant to do it and I'm after getting caught here. Well, the way he was hanging around beforehand, to me, it looked like he thought he was going to get a yellow. He didn't think that he was going to get sent off at all. And now, in fairness to him, he accepted the decision. But I thought maybe because we had the benefit of seeing replays and we saw how maybe how bad it looked. And then, obviously, David Colder didn't have that. But I thought beforehand he was hanging around thinking that he was going to get a yellow card. But like to me, it was a red card all day. And to be honest, I thought that that was the game up for Rathout. The Colin Killer seemed to seize the initiative. And um, and, and then yeah. being, uh, me being a man down with a bit of time left, I thought that was it for them. But... Uh, there was there was still plenty of drama to come. There was it was a good lively game, Conan, wasn't it? I, I have to uh, I hold my hands up and say I wasn't expecting much from this game. And then as I was watching, I was going, "Just this is a really good game. I'm really enjoying it." It was end to end stuff. Well, well, at the end, it's summed up by that injury time. Like when you score a penalty in the 62nd minutes, like that's yeah. game over. It goes three points up, and then just like both teams actually, I was actually really surprised at the way the game wasn't closed out as well. Like you know, by Gail Conkill, they were just trying to go back down the pitch and they were clearing balls away and rather than just running the clock down, it just it stayed open the whole way through. Yeah, well, we see they, Gail Colin Kale, Kells, they'd lost five of the last six semi-finals, and they lost them to the eventual champions. And I'd say, like, I mean, you know, they hadn't won it in so long. There was a bit of panic set in, like booting the ball out over the sideline like that. Yeah. Um, Connor, like, I mean, you, you just go down in that and you win yourself a free, you know what I mean? Or you hold on to possession. Because at the end of the day, the panic is on Ratoth at that stage. The panic shouldn't really be on you. Yeah, but there was like I, I like I'm not. He was trying to put it over the top, was he? Like a, a kick from the ground to put it over the top to somebody chasing down the wing. Like I, I, I like at the time, I just, I just sighed at the TV. I was like, oh, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> you know. And then like that, that sideline ball ended up, uh, it ended up being being the high ball that came in for Rathod. And then after that, even as I said earlier on, because the stoppage time had dragged on for so long, there was a couple of injuries. Gail Collins kill still had like the ref was always going to David Coldrick was always going to allow an attack and maybe even two for Gail Collins kill to get back straight straight back into it. Then they delayed the sideline ball and then the fellow who ended up taking it kicked it straight to a Rat Oak guy and then the game was up. So I uh, listen, it's just the, the circumstance. I'm sure Rat Oak are kicking themselves today, especially having been in that situation so many times and I'm sure they're telling themselves that they should have won it. And to be honest, coming up to the last 15 minutes, I could only see one winner, but uh but then Joey Wallace had other ideas. So Yeah, he did. Talking of Joey Wallace, that's enough from us, lads, because um, let's hear from Joey now. I spoke to him earlier and I asked. I started off by asking him, how's the head today? Ah, uh, no, it's not too bad. Like, it wasn't a late one, though. With the restrictions in place, we, we kept it. We didn't keep it too mad. Right, OK. Well, Jesus, if you were ever going to have a late one, restrictions or no restrictions, you'd have it after a finish to a game like that. Yeah, oh, it, was, it was crazy. You know, um, It'll probably only settle in in a few in a couple of weeks, I'd say, because it's it, like when emotions are that high in a game and it finishes like that, it's just a bit. It just like everything gets a bit carnage, and it's just unreal to believe at the moment. Yeah, you must have thought you were gone. Like, I mean, you're a man down. You've conceded a 62nd minute penalty to put you three behind. Like, under law of averages, teams don't usually come back from that. 
No, and I suppose that's the that's the beauty of the game. It was just it was actually just a bit of luck. You know, it was, there was nothing class about the way we got the goal. It was, it was just a long ball in, two few big lads jumping for and it fell my way and it was it was just pure luck nearly in the end of the day. Yeah, because like I mean, you're not a big man, so you're you're not even entertaining jumping for that. You're just positioning yourself, saying, "I hope this breaks to me." Yeah, you're kind of just like a striker in soccer. Nearly, you're just trying to get a tap in, just position yourself in the middle of everyone, and hopefully it breaks your way, get a rebound. Yeah, so like I mean, talking about soccer, talk to us about this nice slide celebration. You must have thought there was a packed terrace there, did you? <laughs> no, I don't know what to say about. That. I don't know what to say about that. I, I've already said I had a bit of a fuzzy head from a bang earlier and I was just the emotions were so high the way they celebrated scoring their goal I just I just lost it I think I just went a bit mad for a few moments Yeah but sure there's nothing wrong with it like I mean it was fantastic to see like I mean that that was the that was the pretty much the way the game was over after that like I mean the, you know Kells were going to do well to come back from a sucker punch like that yeah, no, and just the way it played out, because normally in Gaelic, you score goals, you're straight on, kick out, get ready. But just yeah. the way it happened so late, I kind of took advantage of the opportunity as well, just to go celebrate <laughs> like you would if you're playing for a local soccer team. Yeah, well, that's the thing, I suppose, in Gaelic football, because of the quick kick out, you just can't really celebrate anymore properly. No, there's no, there's no such thing as a goal celebration. That's one thing I think we miss out on because. You know, if you score a goal in soccer, the whole game stops and watch you celebrate. And that's, a, that was, um, that's one of the best things about soccer. So, Yeah. And I suppose GA players are told, you know, celebrating, you're only a whippersnapper if you do something like that anyway. Yeah, there's a bit of an old school approach to it. So I get a bit of stick as well for that. But sure, I don't mind. Come you were man of the match yesterday and you were man of the match in the county final last year. So, like, I mean, that's not bad going. No, I suppose uh, it went well. I, but like I do, I try and prepare as best I can um, for big occasions. I do a lot of work with the athletic club and uh, a personal trainer over in Ashburn called Paul King. So they prepare me very well. So I'm in top shape and form the big occasion. So I have to give them a shout out as well. Yeah, like I mean, I suppose from your point of view, your style of play in the full forward line, you're always out in front showing for ball. And Ratot's style of play is that there's nice little balls being popped out in front of you. Yeah, it's kind of, it's the way we grew up playing. It was always uh, under Dermot Rooney, since we were under eights all the way up, it was always quick ball in, head up and have runners off the shoulder. It's, it's just their style of play and we, we try to bring that forward uh, to every year. So it's, it's kind of the way we grew up playing in grassroots. Right, because right, I thought the final yesterday was a great advertisement for me, club football. It was like the conditions were terrible, but it was end to end stuff. Yeah, so as any time we've ever played Kells, you're always going to get a physical game. You know they're a very good outfit, and you always have to be at your top level because they force a lot of turnovers on us, and um, we just have to make sure we take our opportunities when they come. Yeah, come here. You you mentioned athletics there. You've been training athletics all year along um, with your brother Eamon. You did you, that was your first game for Rathod all year. Yeah, I suppose it's uh, at the start of the lockdown. Um, I made the decision that I was going to. I had four months there, and I just trained for legs so I could compete in the national seniors. And uh, I trained with Jerry Finnegan or Tote, and I did a lot of work uh, with him for the whole pandemic because it's handy of a track right beside me. So when you work from home, you have the evenings to just go down to the track, and I was doing a lot of work there. And um, I think it's the one sport that is so beneficial for all sports. It really. It really suits Gaelic football as well, um, and I've always found if I didn't do athletics, I would I would never be anywhere. It's it's what's made me the player I am as athletics. So yeah, but still you, know, you have to kick, still you have to kick the ball over the bar and you scored three from play. Like I mean, were you tipping away with the ball at all? Like you only came back before the semi final and you weren't used at all in that game. Yeah, I know. I, I suppose I do practice my skills as well on the side you know we've Colin Malley in with me as well and he gives us stuff he was giving us drills to do on the side so I kind of right. I was doing that as well I do my athletic session get that because I need all my energy for that and then I do all my drills after and um, yeah I suppose when you have people like that looking after you you're always going to be prepared well So like I mean you're, you say you weren't in with Ratot because you concentrated on athletics other people would say you, you were you, you stepped off the panel because you were annoyed about the way Davy Byrne had to stand down any what any truth to that? No that is true as well yeah um, 
I did it was the big deciding factor was the way Davy Brown was treated last year um, you know the way he was got rid of I, I, I just couldn't get my head around I couldn't agree with it um, we had a plan in place to build for the future under him and it was just taken away and I was, we just had no say in it and uh, look this is this is no disrespect to Ryan Farrell in any way he did yeah. a brilliant job this year um, I just I couldn't accept what happened to Davy Byrne last year because I, I thought we were going to build something special and push on for the future under him and have that taken away I just I couldn't I couldn't accept it So so give the people listening an idea of what happened to Davy Byrne then um, Look I, it's a uh, it's a tricky one because there's a lot of ins and outs, but I think those are uh, different committees and stuff. Um, basically, they backstabbed them and uh, they got rid of them. Um, I I don't know what their agenda was. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but that's what I gathered from it. And I I, I just still can't understand why it happened. Um, you know, he just wanted the best for the team, and look, whatever happened happened, and. Uh, as I said, um, it's it's. I just found it really hard to move on from. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of it all, uh, but I have to just as well congratulate Brian Farrell this year's management team for doing a fantastic job as well. Yeah, so like I mean, you and Eamon stepped down because of the way Davy Byrne was treated. Davy Byrne obviously did a, such a brilliant job um, with Rathod. Were other players disgruntled? Were other play- teammates of yours saying, "Lads, come on back"? You know, this is a bit extreme, or were they kind of in agreement with you? Um, there was a few that were in agreement with us, um, and and then there was a few that weren't. So there was kind of a there was a bit of a split there as well. But right, uh, look, we came together then and we sorted it out. We, we've we end up winning the championship. So look, it, it turned in positive. Um, and then because our team is majority young lads, like they just want to play football, and there's yeah. nothing against them. So we just, I just like. Our team is eighty percent young lads, so at the end of the day, they just want to play football and nothing against them at all. So, right, okay. and like I mean, you only found out on Saturday that you were going to start the final because, like I said, you and Eamon came back for the semi-final. You were unused subs, um, and then you know you're preparing for the final. You were wearing a subs jersey. You found out on only on Saturday that you were going to be starting. Yeah. Um, I being honest with you, I had absolutely no clue what I was going to start. Like I was, I was in I was playing for Jabot on the Hill of Tara on Saturday with a couple of mates, uh, and I was actually in the coffee shop. I was like, sure, I'm not starting tomorrow here. This is in the afternoon. I was like, oh, sure, I have some chocolate biscuit cake here. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and I fucking got a phone call then that evening to say I was starting. I was like, oh, better get the head right here now and get sorted for tomorrow. She's. Well, I'd say it would take more than chocolate biscuit cake to slow you down there. Yeah, I suppose the work is done. Then that's not going to have much of an effect. But um, yeah, no, it, I kind of you have to switch the mindset because when you're when you're starting, you know, you have to be ready to go. And yeah, I did have to switch the mindset on that night. Then. So, so what made you go back then, as a matter of interest, for the semi final? Was it pressure from Brian, or was it your own, you know, kind of idea of missing out? Um, I think. Look, it was a, it was. To play for me as well was the big, big deciding factor. If I want to play for me, I'd have to play for Toe. And as well, really? win a championship. I always want to win a championship as well. So play, to win a championship was a big factor as well. Right. So like you wouldn't have been able to play with me had you not lined out for your club that year? Yeah, that's what I was told. So. Right. Uh, look, it's... Uh, look, it's, um, the way it worked out was very... It worked out brilliantly. Um Look, I've a lot of time for the lads in the team, and uh, for them to even accept us coming back, I've huge amount of respect for them as well. Yeah, and like I mean, it, it, you know, in your head now after winning yesterday, you know, can you move on from this now for next year? You know, under Brian and be happy enough, you know, and leave that kind of, you know, issue with Davy Byrne and how you were so annoyed about that. Can you leave that behind now? Um. Yeah. Like. I can't, I can't, I can't actually make a I can't make a decision of that yet. Like, I have so much going on at the moment. I have to make a decision where I'm doing athletics. Like I can't guarantee the lads I'll be, I'll be there fully next year as well because I actually started a masters in Carlow as well. So I'm very busy with that and work. So look, I'm, I'm never going to play for another club. Like I am, we're so true and true, and um, that's the main thing. Like 
I can't say I'm going to be there all year because of so many other things going on. But uh, my arm is so true and true. Okay, fair enough. Come here, I meant to ask you, what was it like talking out in the stand and um, not having dress rooms on a day like yesterday with horrific conditions? I actually prefer uh, kind of like like when you're outside. There's not. I like kind of being relaxed before a game, and when you're in the dressing room, you can get very tense. And there's, a, I hate that screaming and shouting before a game. I like to be relaxed and chill out. And when you're outside, you can kind of get a bit of space, and it's nice and relaxed. So I actually enjoyed it. Right. Okay. That's an interesting point about the tension. There is a little bit of tension. And what about at halftime? Then you just stayed out in the field as well. Yeah. No. You just stay out in the field as well. So you kind of just gather in the corner of the pitch and. Yeah, it's how you actually prefer it. Right, OK. And clear double is on next week here. Do you dabble with the small ball? No, I don't. I've, I don't, I've never got into hurling. Um, prefer a lot of other sports. But, <clears throat> you know, they have a great team there as well. They have a mixture of two clubs or whatever, South Korea. So I think they'll be strong favourites for that and hopefully they get it done as well. Yeah, OK. Well, listen, come here, Joey. I've kept you long enough today after a county final. Thanks very much for taking the call. No, thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, great stuff from Joey there. My Cullen lads, to move on, um, are Galway champions. Um, you, you'd have to say that Mount Bellew, my luck, must be absolutely kicking themselves, Conan, to finally dump Corrafin out of it and then get to the final um, and lose it. Like, I mean, you know, it must be heartbreaking for them. But it's all about Mike Cullen. Um, their captain, Desi Keneally, he's only 22. He said for the first time since 1996, the, the cup is coming home to Connemara. I didn't realise coming home to Connemara was actually a thing here, Conan, but we know now that it is. <laughs> he didn't just say that as well. He roared it down the microphone. Um, mm. It was almost like David Burke on the Hogan stand steps. It was, uh, the speeches in Galway are incredible. And Des Keneally, for a 22-year-old to be speaking with that sort of passion and like yeah just getting it what it means to the club and as you say what it means to the area of Connemara as well it's, uh, it's beyond the years I think yeah us, us Gwail Gores have been down for too long Connor. that's it like I mean the, fi- the cup is finally to all us on down Orem on Curran Aglaka so easy for Gwail Gores they can just rhyme it off as opposed to somebody who has to learn it off yeah, maybe. yeah 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 you can actually genuinely say that one line that everybody just says yeah. but I don't know where the, I didn't know the boundaries of Connemara stretches like my Conlon is literally five minutes outside Galway City I didn't think that uh I didn't think that the boundaries of Connemara stretched that far. I thought it was Uttarard, which is about another uh, 10 or 15 minutes beyond my column. But uh, it's massive for them. The, 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 like, uh, I, the, what, what is it, 20, 24 years, I think? And the last the last mention I remember of my column was they won an intermediate. I think they went all the way to the All-Ireland final around two, 2007. So, yeah, against the odds as well. Like, you, you'd be second if you're from... Um, if you're from Mount Bellew today, given the circumstances, having lost to Carfin in previous finals and having actually finally gotten over the line, ensure that that was the monkey off your back in the in the semi. But as you said, it's all about uh, it's all about uh, Mike Cullen today. Yeah, so Desi, the captain, he's only 22. He scored one nine out of two twelve, and it was a draw match at halftime. And Michael or Mike Cullen got goals against the wind, and goals against the wind lads are like you know, gold dust. It's demoralising for the other team and it keeps you in a game that you might only be scoring one or two points in. You know, so like they were huge, huge scores and he was so important. I thought Ray Silk made an an interesting um, comment last Thursday about making a 22-year-old your captain. And we see that, you know, with different examples. Michael Murphy being the one that kind of jumps out with me. But the great advantage of having a young fellow like Desi as a captain is that Genu- generally the captain is a bit older and the young lads look at him going, ah, you know, it's just sad on to us now again. You know, this yeah. kind of attitude sometimes. Yeah. Whereas if it's a young fella and you get him getting the younger lads who might have the bit of the attitudes, you get them on board. The older fellas generally will have a better attitude. And, you know, you're, you're getting the whole team and squad rowing in the same direction rather than your 31-year-olds shouting at the 19-year-olds going, lads, will he ever, you know, cop on? That's not the ideal scenario. It's not, and it's probably rife in, in every club that doesn't succeed. Like, yeah, just that disconnect and people blaming each other. If it's not forwards blaming backs, it's old people blaming young people. And yeah, like Des Canadian is obviously like he leads from the front as well. He was man of the match yesterday. He scored one nine. But um, the fact as well that he's twenty two. It's his team for the next ten years, and all his age group and the boys a few years younger than him. Like they're going to follow him up for the next few years. Now, as you say. It's not some old boy who they don't know and they've never played with before. It's Dez who they, they've all seen coming up through Galway Miners and probably played with the whole week. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely the way to go. If you can get one of the young fellas who, ha- you know, you obviously have to have leadership qualities. You're not just going to ask, ask a young headbanger to become captain and suddenly he's going to, you know, you know, change his whole personality. It has to be the right fella, Connor. Yeah, I always feel that as well, that it should be representative of the age group of the, like, say, if the, if the vast majority of the team is around, is early 20s. Yeah. That there should be a captain that, 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 can, that can tune into that more so than that. Like, the danger is there, and I think you hinted at it, is that, like, if you have a 30-year-old or somebody over 30, granted they have leadership and they probably have a great attitude or stuff, but, like, there's a danger that there's, there's a generation gap and that they, they fall into, oh, we did this back in our day, and why aren't you like this? Whereas the game, the game moves on. Whereas if you have a, if, if the vast majority of your team are made up of fellas of the same age, well, then they're going to listen to somebody. And especially somebody as inspirational as uh, Desi Keneally, who, as Conan said, scored 1-9. But like just from, I can't claim to know Desi Keneally, but just from from that sort of performance and even even his speech afterwards, I thought was brilliant. So yeah. he's the type of fella that seems that you can easily get behind and that yeah. would easily kind of motivate a team like Mike Cullen. No, he definitely does. He looks like he was the right choice. So in Kildare, a tie are back champions since, for the first time since 2011. And I don't know about you guys, but whenever I think of a tie, I think of Ballymun Kickhams. And I think of them winning a county title, a tie won 11, Ballymun in, in 2012. And then they didn't win it since. They, a tie did really, Ballymun got to the all Club final, but a tie did well in the Leinster Club. They won two games, I think to beat the Offaly champions and then lost to Gary Castle and had them on the rack. And I remember actually just thinking, Jesus, a tie might be around for a while. They look like they have a really good, you know, young team coming up and then they don't win it again. Sarsfields win four titles, Moorfield win four titles and a tie are sitting there a bit like Ballymun wondering what the hell's going on, losing semi-finals, losing finals. So let's paint the picture of a tie. These are a team that lost the county final in 18 to Moorfield. They lost the semi-final last year to Moorfield. Have a little bit of an inferiority complex against Moorfield. So 53 minutes on the clock and Aino O'Connor um, puts Moorfield um, ahead. Moorfield had um, outscored a tie 7-3 since half time. Their best forward, Niall Kelly, had just limped off um, with an ankle injury. Um, before the the water break in the second half. Everything looks like to be going against them. Heads, you know, usually would drop. This is Moorfield, you know, the big team in Kildare in recent history. So what did they do? They end up uh, scoring one, two to Moorfield's two to come back and win it, Conan. So you just, you, you kind of tear up the script sometimes at that stage. Tear up the script. That's how you won a championship. Like game over, no no bloody chance. Like um and it's just a great advertisement as well for like, I think we're seeing this the whole championship, people coming off the bench and, yeah, producing heroics like and the whole way through that because like as you you mentioned, Aino O'Connor scoring and putting them ahead. Aino O'Connor was getting into the groove and they had that goal chance which Roycroft saved and you know things just started gradually turning. A tie just hung in there and then suddenly Danny O'Keefe has come off the bench and bang one one and it's like yeah you might be I think we've talked before about sitting with a face on you when you're not starting but all throughout this summer we were seeing boys coming on and winning championships not just winning games for the clubs yeah I'm changing my attitude towards subs they're not the losers I see them as they're actually very important members of a <laughs> Danny O'Keefe you're right he scored 1-1 the obvious the, the most spectacular thing that we saw from highlights on this doing the rounds on Twitter was Mick Foley's catch at the end now I can't stress how good a catch this was this was a launch ball from the right half back position into the edge of the square and we know Moorfield have big men now if the Rathos, um you know winning goal is anything to go by you don't appreciate how brilliant this was from Mick Foley who's on the go a long time until you see what could potentially have happened if he had spilled it or if he wasn't able to catch it the way he did Connor like I mean this was a spectacular catch if if you have if anyone listening hasn't seen it just search his name on Twitter or ask one of your uh, younger family members if you're not on Twitter to show it to you because it's just a spectacular catch from a standing position on the edge of your square at a really important time Connor yeah kind of reaching back and well, it was the last kick of the game yeah, reaching back has to claim it not just nearly behind his head, not just not yeah. immediately over his head, which was uh, which is an even better skill again. Just really inspirational stuff, and and like mentioning Mick Foley there as well. Did you see he kind of had a diving interception uh, a couple of minutes before that as well, just to to stop a Moorfield attack in the tracks? And I'm not sure was it level or or what the score was at that stage as well, but just just a really important turnover and really inspirational stuff. And I just did like Conan and saying it's a year for subs. It's a real year for veterans as well. Like um, Mick Foley, Martin, Martin McGrath was man of the match, I think, at age 39 in the Fermanagh yeah. final last week. And I'm sure Conan will have about a 15-minute segment on Patsy Bradley later on and a spectacular catch that Patsy Bradley made for Slot Neal as well. So, yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been brilliant. But what a way to, 
I was just, it was a fantastic way to win. I was delighted for a thigh to get over the line as well. Yeah, and Foley got man of the match as well. So, like, I mean, Moorfield and Sarsfield have won the last eight titles. But now, if you want to go back to the last 10 titles, you stick a tie in with two, Moorfield with four, Sarsfield with four. So, a tie, you know, can hold their heads up in that kind of company um, now after winning that. Talking about Derry and Conan, slot nail. This was a snore fest, anyways, by the looks of what I've been reading about it. Mahara Feld scoring 1 4 as defending champions, a little bit embarrassing. We know they're a defend, uh, very defensive team slot nail uh, probably too good for them um, Conan I saw a tweet from Christopher Mullen whoever he is he says slot nail win everything again normal service has been resumed yeah um, it was very much that like Mahara felt it's hard to like uh, I've never had a problem with teams wanting to defend they don't particularly enjoy it but like they would they would justify it with they've won a championship the first championship and they got their final this year so their consistency levels unfortunately yeah. for everybody else everybody loves the game are pretty high but Slock Neil, like um, um, again, we've talked about this. Slock Neil got into the league, and that was it. Like I, I've played in a team who who played this ultra defensive system. We had a gunny goal manager and wanted everybody behind the ball. But the first point we had a list of sort of rules we had to abide by, and the first and most important point was we absolutely must get into the league. Jesus, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, like that. Like that's not that's not a good tactic for a sixty-minute game because if something can happen. You can always get into a lead, and Stock Neil got into a lead. He got three-one up early on, and and that was it. Like straight away in the first half, I think about halfway through, they were three-one up. And they had the ball for four minutes and 37 seconds. Oh, God. Like, yeah. I mean, has the game not moved? Have Maharafet not moved on from that? Now, I do accept your point they won a title with it. But Jesus Christ, this is so almost 2011 type stuff. Well, the funny thing is, Maharafet then started pressuring them after the break and put Stockney under serious pressure. Like, Stockney had a real couple of ropey moments then in their own defence because... Mahara felt started pushing up and, and putting them in the places they didn't want to be. And again, like that, like that's what players don't want. They don't want players in their face. Yeah. It was Chrissy McKay got man in the match yesterday. And it was, it was probably one of the easiest matches they ever played. He was just standing around the half forward line, unmarked, and just running around the place. And he scored two lovely points. He, uh, he knitted everything together, but he was under no pressure until. Marafel started throwing things at them towards the end, but as Connor says, Big Patsy was there. Like Marafel got a goal back, and there was three points in it in injury time. Forty-five ball comes in, and like it's it's the man himself just comes up above everyone and catches it and, and relieves the pressure. Yeah, listen, that's fair. There was only only two uh, two starting forward lines. There was only one point scored from play, and the slap nail defense scored five points from play. Like I mean, Brendan Rodgers, Christy McKagan, these fellas, like. I don't know, Connor. We don't want to go on about this, but how outdated those systems are and how easily they are, you know, pulled apart by a good team like Slock Nail. Do you know the five defenders, you know, coming coming on late on the play? People know how to, to how to handle that defensive system without going into too much detail about it. Yeah, like I didn't have much hope for this game when I read the report and I saw that uh, Slot Nail got three points from their full back line. Now, Conan says that um, Chris McCaig was kind of wandering around the half forward line, and why wouldn't he when he was under no pressure? And I think Brendan Rogers, Conan, if I'm not mistaken, chipped in with a point there as well. But like, yeah. listen, we this is we we've been through this already. I mean that like uh, maybe maybe Mara felt thought given the conditions on the day, which were terrible. Um, are, maybe this, this was the only way to beat Salt Nail, but like they, I know that's their game plan. Yeah, uh, Connor. I know, but it's uh, it's 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 sad to see because the game has moved on far. Like like they've been at it for years, but they, as as you said, it's 2011 stuff, and I would like to have thought that it moved on since then. Yeah, exactly right. In Tullamore, that's enough. Slot nail back on top. Um, and normal service has re- has been resumed. Road beat Tullamore. This Tullamore is only two points in it in the end. One nine to one seven. Terrible conditions. Tullamore got a very very late goal. A convincing enough um, winner. A nice touch by the road captain Niall Darby at the end. He dedicated the victory to Pat Smullen, um, the legendary jockey. He um, he lost his uh, battle with cancer. Um, last month so that was a nice um, gesture from them Niall McNamee as usual scored five I think four from playing one mark um, interesting Aaron Aaron Kellahan scored 1-1 one, one. he's a name that jumped out at me as I didn't know him he was in school this year so Malik McNulty former teammate of mine congratulations to Maliki um, and fair play to him for bringing in Aaron Kellahan and scored 1-1 one, one in the county final Maliki said at the end of the game 
he said everyone in the village that's involved with football and the community spirit is what struck me most when I went here. They're a fantastic community. They take their football very seriously. They live and breathe it and it's an honour to work with them. So nice words from Malachi and it just got me thinking again from a Port Leash point of view like there's no community spirit in Port Leash. Town's too big. We just don't have what road have and like I mean I'm often curious about it when you talk about the community spirit and stuff and I don't know uh Common, like the, the the big towns, just the reality is, I've said this on the show loads of times, they just can't replicate what the smaller communities can. Yeah, for, for many reasons. Like there's there's also a lot going on as well. Like, yeah, they've got different options, but like it's not the only thing going on in the in the community. Like our my club back home is uh it's a town club, it's in the city, but did you win? No, well, we didn't win. Oh, God. <laughs> we blew it. Yeah. We were four up. Got more and, uh, yeah, look. congratulations to Greenlock. <laughs> so where, where does your community spirit get you? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. Like, that we, I, I think we would think we do have a good community spirit, but that's almost because there's a, almost an us against the world in the city. Like, you know, because there's so much happening in the city, but it's like we've got a little club in there that's that's all about us sort of thing. So it's different if you're a one-town club, I think, with Port Leash. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. I, I do always envy. I always said if we were the side of a mountain like Slack Neil were, would we have won a senior championship? Because, you know, you have players just all around the world and just not as completely and utterly devoted to it as you might be if you were just down the country. Yeah, shout out to Alan McNamee um, from Road. Man, I've had a couple of run-ins with on the field uh, with for Road and for Offaly, uh, but he's won his 12th uh, medal. And an incredible stat, it, his medal yesterday was 22 years after his first one, Les. That's some serious going, um, Connor. 22 years spanning your first to your 12th. That, that that's that's serious going. So how, how many years would span between your uh, your county titles? Will would, would you say or was there so many consecutive in a row? Uh, no, I, I think uh, ninety nine to two thousand and seven. So no, I'm not in that category. <laughs> my, my, my career at Shoban County level tended to be short and stop and start. <laughs> yeah, you're not quite at Alan McNamee level just yet. But, no, uh, if you're if you're mentioning Alan McNamee with twenty two years, just don't ask me a follow up question to relate to that. I just I'm in awe of that. <laughs> but they nearly lost the Wooly by by all accounts. Like uh, like uh, a road were in complete control, and then Tullamore got a goal. I think in into stoppage time, and yeah. then they they thought they had another goal. As far as I, it might even be enforced over the line, but it was given a free out. And I heard it was that man Niall McNamee that was back to clear the danger at the end. So McNamee, as they have done obviously for the last twenty two years, Niall has been amazing for them as well, uh, making making the difference uh, once more. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of Port Leash, that's Port Leash were beaten in Leash. Um, it's the first time since 2006, since Port Leash won't be in the semi final or the final. Um, Emo beat them. Um, Port Leash were, uh, they played with the wind in the first half and they only went in two points up at half time. Um, even though they scored a goal in the second half, which we said are huge scores, Emo scored the last five points with the wind. To win it, so Emo had never hadn't beaten Port Leash in forty eight years. They should have beaten them probably in the final in two thousand fifteen. Only Zach too, he came on. That was back when Zach was togging out for Port Leash. So yeah, it's a, d- a bit of a disastrous year for Port Leash, beaten twice um, and losing to Emo. Like I mean, the reality for this is that we know Port Leash are on the slide. This isn't that other clubs are coming up to Port Leash's level. This is the opposite. This is Port Leash completely coming back um, to the pack. Um, a stat that jumped out at me. I would have had a good idea of it is between 1997 and 2007, Port Leash won nine out of 11 under 21 titles. Um, in the last 13 season, we've only won one and we haven't won a minor since 2012. So this often happen clubs, happens clubs, Conan, when you're so successful at senior level, maybe the volunteers kind of dry up a little bit at underage level. I'm a little bit too busy, whatever. And I'm not criticizing anybody. It's still volunteering your time um, at the same time. And then I suppose when when you stop losing, maybe the volunteers get shocked into, you know, going, Jesus, I may do something about this. That's that's a very uh, fair analysis. Like, I think that is what happens. It's probably just people just naturally take the foot off the pedal. And things yeah. Like and maybe the focus all shifts into the senior team then. Because you, you've often talked about, you know, Portage going for Leinster. And um, like obviously he's probably could have won that all Ireland at the time. So it's all about trying to get the senior team over the line when they were at that level. And then just the shift focus, there's shift shifts away from the from the underage team, and then it's usually when things go bad, then everyone starts getting back to basics and trying to to build up from the top again. But unfortunately, when you've left those little 
black years in between, like that affects the team then in the long run, and it could be. Is it is this good for Leash? So, like, are there still the biggest representation Portish in the county team? Like, are they all available? Ah, uh, no, no, no. Portish for the last good few years haven't had a huge amount on the county team, like three or four, like not dominating it. But like, I mean, it's listen, looking at it without your Portish hat on, you say this is fantastic for the Leash Championship. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, let's be honest, it's like the Len- it has been like the Leinster Championship in at intercounty. It's been completely boring, one way traffic. Portlaoise winning every year. Um, nobody, and then you have the whole. It's exactly like the Leinster Championship because Portlaoise are the Dublin who have the biggest pick, you know, and you know who are dominating other teams and other teams getting demoralised. Now it looks like Portlaoise are running out of road, and the Port Arlingtons, the O'Dempsey's, the Strableys, Josephs, these teams, um, even Balafin who have come out of nowhere, Emo has to get a shout out. All these teams now think they have a chance of winning it. So from that point of view, it's fantastic. Now none of them will make an impression on the Leinster club. You know what I mean? So you have to kind of look at it that way as well, Connor. But at the same time, Leach will have a, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, Leach will have a more exciting championship, but, you know, probably won't be, you know, threatening the Leinster club anytime soon. Yeah. Well, if you, you said it's, it's, it's not just a hiccup. It's not, it's, it's probably not going to be the case that like Port Leach, but they, well, they may well come back and win one next year, but they're certainly not as strong as they have been. You know, in previous years, yeah, they can still win a couple more. You know, they're still in the mix. Like for me, they're still the strongest team in in Leash at the moment on paper. But I suppose, like at the start of every year, when maybe Port Leash were at their were at their strongest, I'm sure there's clubs that like for all their talk about you know wanting to give it a good crack, you know, good good crack that year, or whatever. They're probably thinking that like, well, if we're being re- realistic about it, if we if we come up against Port Leash, we're just not going to have luck. Like you know, so that that can teach the players' mentality and into a team's mentality and you know you mightn't you mightn't be as driven let's say as you would be in previous years when when you see Emo beating them for the first time in how long did you say that like uh, 48 years for, for 48 years and you mentioned the teams coming there they're they're all going they're all thinking this year that aren't in the next couple of years they're going to they're going to have a right crack off port leash and they could win a they could win a leash championship so as you said it's it's great for the leash championship if maybe not for you know for any of them to be threatening Leinster in for the foreseeable future anyway yeah, so the Leash draw for the championship, right? Wait to hear this, guys. This is a good one. So during the, the matches yesterday, the Leash County Board um, tweeted out that the draw for the semifinals is not until November the 2nd. So, like, I mean, there's Balafin, Emo, Port Harlington, um, Balafin, Emo, Port Harlington, and Greg Cullen are in the semifinals. And these poor fellas, club players, have to sit idle now, not even knowing or being able to prepare for the team that they're going to play. Like, I don't get it. Like, there, there's a theory here, Conan, that maybe Mike Quirk didn't want the, the, the draw made so that players wouldn't be distracted because they have to jump back into intercounty, um, you know, think. Uh, headspace now. There's another way of looking at it. There's a free weekend next weekend. Like the hurling, then the hurling is on in leash this weekend. So that's not a free weekend unless, you know, the teams that don't double up with hurling or not dual clubs could potentially have done something. It's hard to know. All I know is that if these teams knew who they were playing, at least the club players, whatever about the players that are in with the county, what about the rest of the lads that are left at home in limbo, not knowing who they're playing and training away? Yeah, at least just make the draw. Yeah. You know, whatever about playing it in a certain time, like make the draw and let them prepare for it. Like that, that's four weeks away, that draw. So as you say, they're sitting idle now when they could all be completely focused their minds. Like I know they've got a semi-final, so that's fine, but they could be spending four weeks now talking about, uh, and they'll know like who the other two teams would be in the final as well. So it would be good prep for that. You'd have a really high standard semi-final final and just give them more something to focus on and like make it fair. Like it just doesn't make sense now to sit for four weeks and just do general training. Yeah. So obviously the situation in Leach is we lost three weeks with one of the Nefet lockdowns in Leash, which uh, look at the time Leash had completely come out of it. But anyways, I'm not going to get into that or I could be here all day. So Leash lost three weeks. So they've only finished the hurling finals next week and the football finals only at semi-final stage. So what's going to happen in Leash is the football, Leash are going to go back into inter-county. They're going to play their last two league games. Then they're going to play, they play Lowther Longford on November 7th. Um, and then they play, um, if they win that, they'll play Dublin on the 14th or on the 15th. So the county final isn't going to be on till the 22nd at the earliest. And it's probably 22nd would be unfair, really, Conan, because they don't, you know, the teams would only have a week together. So you'd imagine it'll be the weekend after, the very end of November. So, look, I don't know. I don't want to criticise the Leash County Board too much. Kildare and Offaly have run off theirs a lot, a lot faster. Offaly have only eight senior teams. 
and Kildare have, you know, have been playing hurling midweek to run both off, whereas that wouldn't really be accepted in Leash. You know, they've had to give them alternate weekends. I'm not criticising the Leash County Board you know, for, for running late. It's just very unfortunate. What I am criticising them about is the is not making the draw, which I think, you know, is is pretty unfair. I want to move on here, lads. I want to give a shout out to Castlehaven. They're my team in Cork. Usually my team loses, lads. They're down <laughs> They're down in Mark where Brian Hurley scored a sideline to level it um, and send it into extra time. Um, and Castlehaven won on penal- penalties. Mark Collins uh, got the winning penalty. So they play Nemo next week. We'll do more on that on Thursday because we're, we're, we don't have time here now. I want to finish up on two moments of outrageous skill. One was in the Cavan County final. Crosser Lock won lads. So Kings Court, you know, their, their confidence um, didn't really... Uh, kind of uh, follow through they won Crosser Lock won for the first time in 48 years their midfielder James Smith was man of the match he scored three from midfield he got a catch and a point from midfield that was just almost Michael Jordan-esque uh, Conan like I mean this is just one hand goes out I think I've seen maybe Kieran Donaghy or somebody like that doing this and catches it one hand out out of nowhere and not only happy enough to do that didn't hand pass it off runs up the field and scores a point and the most impressive thing was that was against Porrick Faulkner. He did that as well. Like uh, the, the Jordan thing, yeah, the one catch is something else because this is a kick that goes to the wing to the sixty-five, the far sixty-five. So it's a big yeah. so the control of his hand to do that. But he's he's flying across the air backwards as well to catch it, and he just spins out of it. I think Faulkner thinks he's just going to take the mark, and he just spins and goes straight, goes right into trouble and puts it over. It's a uh, it's an unbelievable score. We talked about Adrian Smith being kept quiet the last day when James and Stephen Smith were scoring five between them. That was a the difference then. So Adrian Smith, sorry, wasn't quiet the last day. He was quiet this day, but the other two boys, they popped up. Yeah, Kings Court only t- scored two points in the second half. They'll be very disappointed. Casserlock uh, selector Philip Smith, who's got three nephews on the pitch, one of them being James. So there's James, there's the captain Pierce, and then there's Stephen and Peter um, in the forwards. He said, I played my whole life without winning anything at all. And he's talking about league or championship, didn't win anything, got into finals. Like, you know, when you see comments like this from some of the older mentors, Connor, you know, that have soldiered so long and then see their nephews. Ah, look, without falling into Conan territory, this is what the GA is all about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. I know, like in fairness, again, without getting too uh, mushy about it, there are, (laughs) there are, and I, (laughs) there are an unbelievable amount of stories like this and there have been for the last few weeks about teams you know, they haven't won anything ever or of like ending famines that have lasted maybe 40 or 50 years. And it just me, it means so much to mean so much to the community, as we said earlier on. So it means so much to, to cross their lot there as well. So like it's again, Conan's probably your man if you want to get too, uh, if you want to wax lyrical about it. But it, it's just another great story. Yeah, I can imagine Mannix if he decides he wants to play a Gaelic football, not showing an awful lot of interest in the ball, but when he does, he kicks with both feet, which I'm very happy about. I can imagine him if he ever wins his first county title. I'd say, well, how will you ever stop? I've six of them. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I can't really relate to these lads who've played all their life and never and never ex- exactly won anything. Final one then is Starlight's Ricky Fox. Remember the name, Ricky Fox. This is Owen Mulligan um, territory of trickery. Um, here, we're number six on his back, actually, but I think he was playing in the forwards. Um, Starlights beat Castletown in the Wexford uh, final. They came from behind as well. So as Alan Tobin scored two and Ricky Fox scored the last kick of the game to give them a, a two-point win. I think they scored the last three. This is on Twitter as well. I would strongly recommend anybody to look up Ricky Fox online and get a look at this um, bit of skill, Conan, because this is coming in. Dummies twice off the same foot, and I love this. I nev- I'll never forget seeing it kind of for the first time Bino McDonald did it. I went over to watch a schools match that he was playing in, just out of curiosity of seeing this fella Bino. He was only 14. There's one thing about going one way and dummying, and then maybe going the other way and dummying back. But to sell two dummies off the same foot, mm. there's something kind of really, really, uh, you know, special about that. Well, it means that you've really sold somebody up the river. Like, it means that they've yeah. actually flown across you and gotten out of the way. And you can see that t- the two bodies are lying on the ground looking at them. <laughs> if you are going to look at anything, like, this is the one to go look for. This is one of the finest pieces of skill I've seen. Two dummies send the two of them to the chip shop. And then just with the outside of his boot on the right-hand side. And remember, they're a point up in injury time. He just yeah. needs to hold on to that ball is what everybody would be telling him. And he just swings it over the outside of his boot. Like, ah, oh, it's, it's the precision, precision of it is amazing. Like, it, oh, like the, I am getting mushy now thinking about it. In, in, in actual fact, Connor, we don't see it enough because if you dummy solo off one foot, 
the idea that someone's going to think you're going to do it the second time, you know, after buying yourself that bit of time, in theory, we should see that more often. Did Stephen O'Neill do it against Peter Kelly there for Tyrone a few years ago, I think, in the league? I think he did it in Crow Park. Where he saw one or two dummies, but he, he absolutely sent him to the chip shop, uh, as Conan said. The commentator actually said he sent the defender for a hot dog. But, uh, <laughs> but you're right, yeah, it's, it's probably, you think, whoever's doing the dummy think they got, you know, there's, uh, there's no way a defender is going to fall for this again, so they can't do it. But the first defender, it was so fun, the first defender actually slid in. And I'd say by the time Ricky Fox kicked the ball over the bar, he was about 15 yards away. But as Conan said, the context was the most impressive thing about this in injury time the game is up they're only a point ahead and this is your final score to win it that uh, um, Ricky would be waking up with a smile on his face before the door. yeah you don't like uh, kind of fast food references to those dummies Conan you prefer bars of chocolate don't you sent them for a, a Mars bar or something like that a bar or a Mars bar I like a battered sausage as well <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you mix up sweet and, and savoury do you as long as it's the thick Mars bar maybe <laughs> yeah we don't have that in leash yeah you just kind of say he made an Egypt out of him or something like that I suppose maybe something like that. listen we may leave it there lads um, we'll come back with the hurling thanks very much boys I'd never be allowed to go off and eat and have a shite like him and go a slob or whatever like I was always doing a bit I remember, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered in the way in there I threw the ball up in there. I don't know. It was, it was pure luck, no appearance. Pure luck. I had fucking bullshit. Have you seen yourselves? Yeah, so the Rockies are back, um, Brian. Absolutely fantastic game, you'd have to say, considering the conditions. The 33rd um, championship. So just as teams are starting again on them, they've, they've stuck another one up on the board. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Uh, and a lovely little tweet by them as well. You know, they've changed their passwords from Rockies 32 to Rockies 33, so likely touch for that. But um, no, look, a, a great game. Uh, ebbed and flowed, could have went anywhere. Particularly, it looked like um, Patrick Horgan had become the hero once again with a yeah. brilliant score, just just as time was up. And maybe a soft enough free, maybe to, to draw the game up, but it was certainly deserved. It was a soft free, maybe, but at the same time, they were definitely denied one or two, particularly in that first half. Um, you know, that, that maybe could have been the difference. But, uh, you know, look, I, I think overall, I think Blackrock definitely were the best team. You know, look at their, their enthusiasm, their youthfulness, their use of the ball. Their, their willingness to go for goals um, it was unbelievable even the, the very last passage of play you know Connolly should have just tapped the ball over the bar but just wanted to go head down and go in and try and get his goal because he probably felt he never scored one so um, I just thought uh, Blackrock were, were absolutely excellent and look you know it was part of the pre-match analysis and everyone's been talking about they've no real like big inter-county stars but they've a brilliant um, cohesive team and uh, you know a very very well gelled unit and a lot of youth, as I said, and, and um, a lot of pace. Yeah, to remind you a little bit of uh, Killadangan, the way they kind of hunt in packs and, you know, they make nothing easy for the, the opposition. Yeah, and, like, obviously they were they were hugely um, hungry to try and get that win. And, like, it's it's not easy. Glen Rover, they're a very, very experienced team. Um, you know, you do feel for them a little bit, you know, they've lost a few now on the bounce and probably coming up against the likes of Emma Killy made it, you know, extremely hard to try and win those county finals. But, um, you know, BlackRock on the day, I think I think they deserved it, to be fair. But it's amazing, like, you know, they were so in control, particularly in that extra time, you know, eight, nine, ten points up, and, and somehow Glen Rovers found their way back into it. I suppose that doesn't lend itself to the fact that they do have Patrick Horgan on their team. He's just unbelievable, like... You know, he, he scored four points in play, but it's not just that. You know, almost every time he gets the ball, um, he causes massive danger in, in the opposition half. They pulled him down a number of times. So, um, you know, a few, a few, un- in a, yeah, it, a few uncharacteristic wides out of him then as well, though. Yeah, well, I suppose he showed he was human. You <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, that's probably it. And look, that, look, the nature of any good forward, he will be disappointed with himself. Doesn't matter what you score, we've all been there. Uh, you'll only ever remember the ones that you miss. So he, he like like any good forward, as I said, will be disappointed with those misses, as you said, because you know he expect him to score them when he's very slow. As a, but um, no, still it was a, a brilliant performance from his perspective. And look, it, it was like what a high scoring event. Even apart from the the extra time, which obviously you know kind of read both teams could lose altogether in extra time, particularly Black Rock. But it was very high scoring. You know, there was a couple of great goals scored. 
But I suppose ultimately it came down to the fact that BlackRock had a had a bench and there was a couple of players left off, you know, that maybe had a B in their bonnet coming on and the interview afterwards and TG Gatler was quite funny with uh, Robbie Cotter, you know, um trying to pretend that he wasn't overly despised about being dropped, but uh coming on scoring two two and DC's coming on scored a great goal as well actually and uh, and the sideline then as well, you know, to that was a really yeah. important sideline at that time because it was only a point in it at the time. And the gas thing about that, that Ty DC's uh, sideline, he was looking to take that short. <laughs> like, I mean, you were you wouldn't think he was a sideline specialist at all. Kind of by his body language, he didn't look like he was, his first, his, it's not like, right, relax, lads, I have this under control, this is going over. He was standing yeah. over it, looking around. And then almost just had a cut at it. Yeah. <laughs> just, just go for it. But, and, and it ended up being a cracking score. But yeah, I look, at, as I said, Three five coming off their bench, and yeah. I'm nearly certain, like you know, Glen Rovers got nothing off their bench. You know what I mean? No scores whatsoever. So, like, look, that 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 statistic alone tells don't tell. You mentioned about the free to draw it up. So Patrick Horgan scores an unbelievable score off his left hand side, a skyscraper that dropped over, inspirational stuff. And then, like the Rockies, they, they got a soft enough free. Um, you'd have to say on on Alan Connolly. But at the same time, it was one of the most stupid frees to give away I've ever seen. There was two, Connolly had nothing on. There was two, Connolly's only a slip of a lad. Like, I mean, he needs to bulk up big time, but he's a seriously skillful player. But he was going nowhere because there was two big, Glen Rovers were a much bigger team. The two big men in front of him. And there's nothing more demoralising Brian, when you say, right, don't foul, don't foul, and then a third lad comes in, you have this thing under control, a third lad comes in and sticks the hand in around him and gives away a soft free. Yeah, and that's exa- and I think you've described it lovely. That's exactly what happened. That he'd run down a cul-de-sac almost, and he tried to offload it, and it was you know the, the free was blown in around that time. But it looked like he'd actually lost the ball as well. So it was you know if you were Glen Rovers, you'd be absolutely kicking yourself, like you know. But uh, it did seem a case where that free was going to be given if there was any contact at all. That's oh yeah, but that that, that and, would make it, that makes it that makes it even more silly in the first half. Yeah, yeah well, I know. I agree. It does make it more silly, but I think the one in the in the first half was brutal. Altogether, he was his jersey was pulled twice, and it was just waved play on, and then it went down the other end of the field, and then Rovers got I think got a, a soft enough free. You could see a couple of the water carriers or selectors or someone from BlackRock that were going nuts over his eyes, but you could definitely understand their frustration at that particular time. Yeah, what do you make of Alan Connolly? He's a he's a very very good player, um, but my God, that man needs a few bench presses. Like I mean, he, there's no there's no kind of uh, strength in him at all. No, there's not. But look, was he he brought so much else to his game? Um, you know, he look you're, you're dead right. He's brilliantly skillful, very very fast, um, savage confidence. You could see he was very confident in the way he was hurling every time he got the ball he put the head down and was was, was going for goal and as I said the very very last passage of play kind of um, summed that up for him but uh, yeah look for Inter-County he probably needs to bulk up a little bit but as, as I said to you yesterday I don't think you know nippy corner forwards are Cork's problem right now he definitely will be a welcome addition to that panel but um, you know, Cork have problems elsewhere. Yeah, that's not. That's probably not what they what they need. Steve McDonald was excellent. What did you make of him trying to? You know that skill that all the top players yeah. have to do. Just you no know, problem at all. When he set up the goal, he tried to whack it off the ground, come back up. It didn't come up, but he tried to do it then later on in the game as well, out, out around the half back line. Yeah, and, like that was so funny because he he tried to bounce it and completely missed the ball, but yeah. with a good surface that that now having Parky Queen would actually come up enough that he could actually kind of flick it back up again, and he half missed control and everything. But sure, I'm sure he's laughing away at, at good at that. Like sure, look, Stephen's a played very well, Igorish cornerback. Yeah, like he 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 like hugely experienced as well. Like you know, he's big, he's strong. I marked him a couple of times, you know, he'll give you a nut and soft. Um, but generally, he, you know, he looks to offload ball when he wins it, you know, a nice little hand pass out or a dink pass out. So um, maybe he was getting a bit of a nosebleed as well when he got that far up the field. One thing, Patrick Horgan, you've alluded to it did in the game that I thought was just absolutely incredible is in extra time, um, they're down, a ball comes in. And instead of batting it down to himself that it would, it would kind of bat straight out in front of him and he'd have it back to the goal. He turned the hurl slightly, so he's batting that down. So it's dropping on his left-hand side so he can whip on it. It was blocked. Do you remember him doing that? Like, I mean, yeah. how, many, how many players are able to turn the hurl to be able to get the ball down to ricochet to themselves 
on their good strong side. Do you get do you, you obviously Yeah, no, I don't know what you're and Henry Sexton was probably one of the best exponents of it. There was a high ball coming down the air and there's someone coming out to clean and you just get a hurl up and turn you just you're just turning the ball. A lovely little death touch, you know what I mean? So then yeah. in that case Patrick Hogan was trying to bring it down to himself so he could score a goal. But often you see the people doing it out in the half forward line, um, where you just turn the ball back and you know what way it's going, so you yeah. can you can turn your and ask your run so that you're getting onto the breaking ball and I suppose it saves you a lot of hardship as well trying to catch the ball where you can be cleaned out of it. So um uh, do you know it was a brilliant interception actually to be fair because it, it looked all intense perfect that he was gonna he he'd done everything perfectly and it was gonna end up in the back of the net. But uh, I just thought the the one where he threw the penalty, I thought that was um it reminded me almost of Owen Kelly, um, you know, again against Cork actually in 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 Munster Club Championship a good few years ago now at this stage. But just where he got the ball outside the twenty one and just decided, Do you know what, I'm going for it here, and just ran straight at him. And it's very very hard to stop that, you know. And he he got pulled down and won the penalty. I just thought he definitely was he was defined in his performance. I thought. Yeah, no, he definitely was. The Glen manager, Richie Kelleher, was saying at five points down at halftime with a strong gale with us in the second half, we would have fancied ourselves all day long. And to be honest, I thought Glen Rovers would win it at halftime. Um, I didn't think the Rockies did enough. They had nine um, first half wives first half wides um, and then they obviously get the the two goals in the second half like I mean the Simon Kinefic goal was an incredible he's a he's a godson of uh, Christy Ring what a goal this was like I mean over his shoulder grandson, like, yeah. grandson sorry and what did I say Godson. Oh, oh sorry Grand, uh, grandson he just kind of put a bit of top spin on this over into the far corner it was an incredible goal Oh, brilliant finish. And that, you know, that came from Simon McDonald's run. And, yeah. You know, he, he got two goals. And I was thinking to myself, you know, like they had Christy Ring on the jersey and there were all those other things. I said, oh, this man is going to do it now. It's going to be the, the headline for this man. Um, and you're right. Like, it looked, when they got those couple of goals, you know, that's uh, like, it was kind of like, it was in around, I think it was 2-8 to 14 and then it pushed on 3-8 to 17 or something along those lines. And you thought, right, you're going to start knocking over points now with this win. But they just didn't, to be fair, you know. And, um, you know, you have to give, I suppose, BlackRock credit for that. It did look like they'd, they'd missed their chances. You said all those wise in the first half. Uh, Connolly got the chance one-on-one with the keeper, hit the butt of the post and somehow went wide, you know, almost out with the corner flag. So it looked like they'd, they'd squandered their chances. And... Um, uh, but Glen Rovers never pushed on in terms of point scoring. You know, I think that maybe was was the run doing, particularly um, in in that second half. Yeah, no, it probably was. So three in a row for Thomas's in Galway. Um, uh, look, listen, this was uh, this was very very close. It was a, a draw match at halftime, one six to nine points, and Dahi Burke limped off just before halftime. Like I mean, you know, Turlock Moore pre- uh, performing well. Like I mean, and poor Dahi Burke because he's so important to Turlock Moore comes back on then, and for Dahi Burke to go off, like that man must have been practically on one leg, and for him then to come back on, you use kind of desperation stakes at that stage. Yeah, and worryingly, like the reports afterwards, that he's going to have to go for a scan as well on it. So, like that's not good. Shane O'Neill won't be won't be um happy to to hear that. And as you said, he needs to be nearly half dead. And he came on and tried, you know, the through through the kitchen sink at coming down the home stretch, but they just were to be denied. And it's just interesting from St Thomas's perspective. And I was very critical almost of them after the All Ireland semi final loss last year to Borussia, where you know Dara Burke was hitting the freeze, and I just felt that Conor Cooney was the man to be hitting them. And they changed that yesterday, right. you know. And then the tight game, Connor Cooney, you know, he got he got the goal obviously and, and a point from play, but he got six frees as well. And I just think well, I remember saying at the time, it's like when Cooney was hitting him ahead of Joe Canning, it just didn't feel right. He might yeah. be excellent, and I'm not taking anything from Dara Burke, but sometimes there's a feel across the team. And we had this debate. I remember actually after the league final last year with Stephen Bennett and Park Matney as well. It just unsettles maybe not just uh, the players themselves, but, you know, the rest of the team and even the supporters. And it's like, if he misses one, I think, gosh, or why isn't Cooney hitting them? And, you know, that kind of way. So yeah, yeah. I, just, I just find that a, a noticeable that Cooney was back on him. And, you know, I, I, I think um, ultimately he has done it on the big day time and time again. You know, and that's not taken from Lerberg. I just think it settles the team a little bit more. No, I think you're right. Um, speaking of if Dahi Burke is out um, injured, if the news of the scan comes back, uh, bad news. Fintan Burke played at full back yesterday. Mister, I can play anywhere, wing back, wing wing forward. Um, it doesn't matter for Fintan Burke. Um, there's your bell going off in school, uh, Brian. 
Fintan Burke can play anywhere. Let me school bag him back to school. <laughs> <laughs> we won't. Fintan Burke, you know, Crowley denied last year when he's with the crucial injury. In the game. Um, you know, uh, like or sorry, the year previous, and it just probably never gave him a chance to to really set the, the um you know himself up in county wise. Um, so you'd be you'd be hoping that uh you know he can get a run of form. You know, he can bring in Shane Cooney there as well. He did well during the league. So you know, Thomas and have have a bit to offer in terms of um what Galway have. Look, they've won three in a row now. They're masters of winning tight games. They're, they're a credit to their club. Like, you know, they've never won one pr- pr- uh, previous to, I think it was 2012, I think was their first win. So, um, you know, they're, they're a fantastic club and, and the tighter it gets, the nearly the better they come in, in Galway Championship. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that it wasn't a great day yesterday probably played into their hands as well. Yeah, before you go and your students are going mad throwing paper aeroplanes all over the class. Um, Clon Kill beat Cassidy Gagan after extra time. Um, incredible. Brendan Murta scored 12 points, an incredible servant. And a shout out Paddy McDowell, who won a, a football championship at St. Lomans last week. He's 14 medals. But Brendan Murta, like, I mean, still doing it, uh, Brian. And Clon Kill won three in a row. Yeah, look, sure. Clon Killer again. They've been very unlucky in Leinster Club Championship over the last number of years. You know, they ran Ballyboat the extra time last year. And, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're, they're an excellent team. They're as good as any club team that's out there. And huge experience as well. They've taken over probably the mantle from, from Raharney and they're, they've really pushed on. But Murta is a class act. Look, I played with him for Leinster a few years ago. He's big, he's strong. Um, he probably minds himself a little bit better. He gets himself ready for the big games and he always performs at the big day. He's, he's um, you know, He's one of those guys that, again, would have made any county team that's out there. Yeah, exactly. Brian, thanks very much. Thanks, Willie. Better run. Good luck. Good stuff. All right, great stuff. We'll be back on Thursday and we'll talk to you all then. See you then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have have spoken with each other and... uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.